Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Jennifer Kostakos, who is a board-certified internal medicine physician with over 20 years' experience. She founded Jennifer Kostakos MD Premier Medicine and Wellness, which opened in Horsham, Pennsylvania in August of 2022. Dr. Kostakos offers comprehensive, personalized concierge primary care, which allows for more time and accessibility for her patients. She is a woman's health specialist and is a certified menopause provider with the North American Menopause Society, or NAMS. I can, um, oh, so (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm fumbling already with my words. So welcome, Dr. Jennifer, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely getting to know you and um, great job on the pronunciation of my name. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, So tell us how you got started. How did you end up in medicine and women's medicine? So medicine, I would say, uh, really, I uh, the interest came from my father's a veterinarian. So at a young age, we already were talking about surgery around the dinner table. There was nothing off limits at the dinner table. Uh, he uh, was a small town veterinarian that did everything from surgery to primary care, dogs hit by a car, you name it. Uh, so he brought me in. I would go in and, and uh, watch the operations and things like that. So I always knew. Uh, I was interested in, in that. Um, and w- I just love taking care of women. I just feel like um, they're, it's, it, we're a complicated group uh, of, of human beings. And, um, you know, there's, I, I just really connect. I do take care of men as well. I've always, you know, cared for men and women, uh, but I have that extra uh, training and interest in taking care of women. And that's wonderful. Yes, in the in in the hierarchy of medical issues, um, certainly our pets have more complex body issues. But then there, then it's women, and then men. <laughs> I really believe that's the that's the hierarchy. So um, your traditional medicine, but your practice is a concierge practice. Tell us about. Um, what that means and what some of the benefits are to opting for a concierge medical practice versus a traditional. 
Sure, absolutely. I think I'll go back just a, a tiny bit before I answer that, just to, to tell a little bit about, you know, why I ended up uh, in concierge medicine. Um, and it leads right into sort of what my practice offers. So uh, before I opened in August, I was uh, doing house calls and um, I was down in North Philadelphia, very complex, um, medically complex patients who didn't couldn't really access medical care. And what I really loved about it was the time that I could spend with my patients. I was in their home. I was part of their family. And, um, you know, I would have an hour. I had as much time as I needed to really listen to them and, and take care of the whole patient. Uh, so when I when I knew it was uh, time to leave that job, I just um, couldn't imagine seeing patients every 15 minutes. I, I, I don't know how to do that. Um, by the 15 minute mark, we're still just making eye contact and connecting about uh, the kids or the grandkids or how things are going. Uh, so, and you know, the average visit with a physician today is seven minutes. The average is seven minutes that you get with a physician uh, or, or probably any, any provider. Um, so, that's where this came into fruition. Um, so the difference with my practice, so I am outside of insurance. I, I don't accept insurance uh, for my visits. Now, my patients have insurance, and if we order labs or a mammogram or an x-ray, that is all under traditional insurance. But I have stepped outside of that uh, confining world, which means uh, I don't, I'm not required to have 5,000 patients um, and see patients every 15 minutes. I can really uh, focus on you know, spending the amount of time needed to take care of each patient holistically and individually. So, um, so my patients have my cell phone, they can call me, they can text me, email me, um, and my visits last anywhere from an hour, two hours for a new visit, and we really talk about everything uh, head to toe. Um, amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, so uh, if people have emergencies or need to go to um, one of the emergency care centers or the hospital, um, that goes outside what you offer but you stay in touch with those with your patients as well right absolutely absolutely and you know you may have noticed there are urgent cares everywhere now i mean they're popping up everywhere because uh, the unfortunate truth of uh, sort of the state of our healthcare system is that um you know people are utilizing emergency rooms and urgent cares uh, much more frequently. Um, and the reason is because a lot of times they just can't reach their provider at all. So they have a rash or they have a pain and um, they might wait on hold or they can't reach their, their provider. So they end up going to one of, one of those two. So the first thing I'll say is that many of those, I believe, can be prevented by a telephone call uh, with me. I mean, there's so much that can be done over the phone or a televisit, or in my practice, I'll say, come on down, you know, I'll see you or I'll meet you at the office if it's on a weekend or send me a picture or let's do a televisit. So a lot of them, I believe, can be avoided. But of course, there are times that you have to go to the emergency room, you have to be hospitalized 100%. Um, 
And um, that, first of all, is all covered by insurance, of course. And then, you know, I believe really communication is so important in medicine. So whether it's a specialist that you see, you know, non-emergently, you've got a pulmonary doctor or heart doctor. Um, one of the first things I like to do is reach out to those those other providers and say, look, I'm, I'm here. I'm on the scene. I'm the primary care doc. If you need anything, here's my cell phone. Let's try to coordinate care together. Um, if a patient is in the hospital, I actually do have um, a patient of mine right now uh, in the hospital. Um, then I just, I can come in and visit, certainly. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, I'm not in charge of any care in the hospital. Medicine sort of doesn't run that way anymore. It's usually a hospitalist system anyway. Um, but then I talk to the providers there. I can give a lot more history because I know my patients so well. Um, so I'm, I'm very much into coordinating care. I think it's really important. Yeah, that makes such a difference because so often, first of all, many of us are very nervous when we go to see our physician to begin with. And then... We don't always make a list of everything we need to cover. So you leave the office and there's something you've forgotten. Um, and of course, the next time you're going to see that person is six months from now. If that, yeah. if that, yeah. because a lot of times you can't get in or this or that or the other thing. So it's really nice that you can opt for concierge service where your physician and you actually know your patient and what you've discussed and what the background is and what the backstory is. And, Absolutely. And, and it all plays in together. I mean, you know, I find my patients um, oftentimes are minimizing. They'll say, oh, I do have this thing, but but it's not that important. And I say, you don't have to minimize here. I want to hear all about it. I want to hear about your pinky toe if it's bothering you. I want to hear about your sleep. I want to hear about um, everything, you know. I think we're trained a little bit in, in today's um, medical environment to prioritize. If I have seven minutes, I better talk about the pain in my chest and not the pain in my pinky toe um, because I only have seven minutes. So absolutely. And I really, you know, time is you need time for that. And that's what I that's what I allow for. Yeah, that that is amazing, especially these days where everything is like fast food. You just go in, you come out. Um, so you also speak about prevention and working with people for their optimal health at where they are, where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've had uh, a number of patients say, you know, I'm 50 or I'm 55. And I look at my parent who's on 18 medications or is, you know, fill in the blank. And I feel good. I feel fine. But what can I do to prevent that? I don't want to be on 18 medications when I'm, you know, 30 years from now. Um, and there is so much. There's there's a whole, um, you know, arm of medicine, preventive medicine, lifestyle medicine. So much really comes from lifestyle. And I don't know that we necessarily really understand that. I mean, yes, we talk about how important diet and exercise is, um, but nutrition and and exercise and sleep. Sleep is a huge <laughs> determinant of health. And, you know, adequate sleep is seven to nine hours. 
nobody's getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the simple things, I mean, maybe not easy, simple, not easy, but getting enough sleep getting the right nutrition, moving your body in a loving way, not, you know, slamming yourself, but in a way that you enjoy, it brings you joy. And these are all things, I mean, you know, nutrition can prevent, you know, decrease the risk, let's say of many cancers, including breast cancer, which a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, and as can reducing stress and sleeping enough and exercising and uh, moderating alcohol, of course, you know, avoiding smoking and some of those things, but so much can be done in a preventive way so that we don't end up just band-aid, you know, with band-aids of this medication, that medication, you know, um, Yeah, that is so important, especially now. So many people are so stressed. I mean, so even me, I mean, I I can't believe how stressed I get. And it's sometimes it's way too simple to say, oh, well, it's not important and pass it off. But when you're not getting enough sleep, your body doesn't have time to recoup from the stresses of the day and then you're just building upon building upon building which is also not good 100 percent yeah so that leads into another issue and that is that you do um focus on women going through menopause um tell us how that became part of your practice and how how you weave that into your practice to help women. Sure, absolutely. Um, I really feel that uh, menopause is one of those things that falls through the cracks. And um, I, you know, I know going back to medical school and residency, there's really just not a lot of time being spent on that training Um, between primary care docs and GYNs. Really, the training just isn't there. and. you know, understandably, when we're busy and we have a full panel of patients and we've got to deal with the blood pressure or the flu shot or the other things, you know, menopause tends to fall off the end of the list. The other thing is that, you know, we're really just not talking about menopause like we should be, what like I believe we should be. Um, yes, it's a natural transition in life. Every woman will go through it. Um It's not a disease state or anything like that. It is natural, but, you know, it really can affect life. And it affects women oftentimes at a time when, you know, your career is at its pinnacle and you've got time. Maybe maybe you've had children and the children are off off on their own or they're at least old enough to, you know, sort of uh, take care of themselves a little bit more. And it's like, this is my time. I'm going to and you get smacked upside the head with night sweats and sleep disturbances and hot flashes and brain fog and body aches, you know, and, um, and we're expected or we feel that, well, this is just part of life. And so I just have to suffer through it or nobody's talking about it. It must just be, you know, what has to happen and, and I'll get through it. Um, so I think that just talking about it more is important and empowering, educating women and empowering women um, to talk about what they're going through. There are treatment options and there are lifestyle changes that can be made. There are, you know, medication, non-medication, hormone, non-hormone. There are a lot of options, um, you know, to support a woman through menopause. 
Um, yeah, and that and we just don't we don't speak about it enough, and we don't talk about all of those options. Um, so, do you also work with um, pharmacies and bioidentical hormones? So, um, a couple things with so bioidenticals are FDA approved. Um, you know. Uh, hormones that are identical to, for example, estrogen. So um, I, I suppose maybe just a minute to talk about what's going on with at menopause, which is uh, basically, you know, the ovarian follicles uh, stop producing estrogen. And what we experience both in the short term, um, in the menopause transition, uh, and then the long-term effects, for example, on with bone loss and things like that, that, you know, increase over time from menopause. Uh, so that it's all hinging on estrogen, really. Uh, so it's that lack of estrogen that, you know, um, that and, you know, causes the hot flashes and a lot of the things that we um, that we experience in that time. And, you know, Around 80% of women will uh, experience um, moderate hot flashes. Uh, maybe only 20 to 30% actually come to their provider and talk about it and ask for treatment options, uh, but 80%. And, you know, the average uh, length of time for these menopausal symptoms is 10 years. So, you know, 50% of women have them for at least seven years. So this is a this is a long haul. But the other thing that happens during menopause is um, that some of our risks start to change. Our cardiovascular risk goes up, you know, and there's there's bone health, which is very important. We start to lose bone uh, and that just continues, you know, throughout um, life unless, you know, unless we do something about that. Um, so, uh, so, so there are a lot of, uh, of changes that go on. So the bioidenticals, to get back to your question, um, are FDA approved identical um, compounds. Um, there are also compounded um, hormones, which are not regulated by the FDA. Um, and those, you know, I tend to not support uh, because anything that's not, um, you know, supported by the FDA. There's just not the studies, there's not the regulation. So, um, you know, so there, so it's not as, um, you know, it, it's not as consistent basically. Uh, so bioidenticals, you know, I support the use of FDA approved, but the compounded, uh, uh, hormones, I, I don't, but then there's just estrogen, good old <laughs> estrogen, which can be taken orally or by a patch. Um, you know, and not for everybody, but for hot flashes, moderate to severe hot flashes that are, you know, waking you up at night and impacting your life. That is really, um, you know, the most uh, successful therapy out there is the menopausal hormone therapy. But there are other options as well. And for how many years is that recommended? Because I, I, I know that I've, I've, heard and read about it, but very often it, people don't understand that it may, it may be wiser 
to only use them for X number of years? How do you determine right. how long a woman a woman opts for estrogen when she's going through actual menopause? Right. Absolutely. That's a great question. And, um, you know, there's there has historically been a lot of controversy about estrogen. Uh, there was a big study uh, in 2001, the Women's Health Initiative, uh, that took a large group of, of women and uh, gave them either estrogen or estrogen and a progesterone, because if you have a uterus, you you can't give unopposed estrogen. You can't just give estrogen. And they they looked at this large cohort and, um, you know, they found an increased risk in stroke, in breast cancer uh, and in blood clots. And um, that really caused a lot of women to just be yanked right off of their hormone therapy. I mean, the number of prescriptions went, you know, just plummeted uh, and women suffered. But over the, pa- the, 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 pre- the next 20 years, you know, Researchers went back and looked at that in that data, and there have been more studies going on. And so it's really felt um, now every person is an individual, and I, and it, it's always hard to give a real blanket statement. But for most women under the age of sixty and and within ten years of menopause, um, you know, it is felt that if if women are having you know, moderate to severe hot flashes, uh, that the benefits outweigh the risks. There are still, um, you know, some risks, and it depends on how you're taking the estrogen and if you're taking it alone or with progesterone, but there are still uh, some risks. So the, um, you know, the idea is, is generally, and it's with many things in medicine, you're going to use the lowest dose uh, that gives you the results you're looking for um, for the shortest amount of time. So, um, you know, if so, you're going to start on a very low dose. And if you're feeling great and your hot flashes are gone, um, you know, you're going to stay on that. And then you can try coming off. And if the hot flashes come back, you know, you so. So it's a little bit of trial and error, which means you need some time to really be, you know, able to talk about well, how are your symptoms? How are you, you know, um, is this the right dose? Is it working for you? You know, and really stay connected with your patient. Um, now, some women stay on it for longer, you know, and they've talked to their provider and they've they've felt, you know, and they feel that the, uh, the, the continued benefits still out, you know, they understand that there are risks. I mean, anything really in medicine is, is always a balancing of risk and benefit, always, whether you're taking a baby aspirin, you know, um, to a high blood pressure medicine, there's always a risk and benefit, you know, and it's important to, to be able to talk about those and talk to your patient. And, and I'm a huge advocate of shared decision-making. It's not my way or the highway. I mean, I'm going to tell you everything I possibly can about what I know about this, the positives, the negatives, and we're going to talk about about you and your choice or your your preferences and how you're how much you're suffering. You know, it, it's really dependent on on each patient, really. Yeah, that's so important, and that's one of the benefits that you offer because you then know your patient. Um, This is just um, on another side of, but it just came to my head. How much do do people have to know about the hormones involved with like hair care products where they're 
where they are infused with hormones. How how does that play into um, everything else that's going on? And is that a consideration? Yeah. And, it, you know, the very simple answer is that we just really don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to know. And of course, there's so much um, so much from the environment, the products we're using, um, some of the foods we're eating. I mean, I, we've gotten a lot better about, uh, you know, using hormones in, in chicken and meats and things that, that, um, than we used for milk. I mean, there used to be a lot. Now you can see it almost always will say, you know, no, no hormones given, um, you know, but the, the problem is it's, you know, it, it's hard to say, well, we've done this large study with this type of hair care product, and this is what we see, um, sort of, um, you know, we can assume that less is going to be more, you know, the less you use, um, whether it's processed foods or, you know, products that you don't know exactly what all's in them, um, probably the better. And when I do talk about nutrition, a lot of times I talk about as little processed food. I mean, if you can see that that once grew on an, a tree, that's great. <laughs> that's a great choice. You can tell that that apple came off of a tree. That's a great choice for a snack, you know. Um, so, I mean, but but the world is just so full of, you know, additives and chemicals. And right. There's no way to really um, cipher it all out and, and know what's what. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine who has a dehydrator. And so she dehydrates fruits and vegetables. She even dehydrates uh, meat and eggs, oh. Oh, amazingly wow. enough. Um, and in that case, it's whole. Um, it's not been processed. It's actually whole sure. food, but it has like a 20-year shelf life. Right. Um, but what you're talking about, are the other products that come in boxes that have a 50 to 100 year shelf life and they're supposed to be food. Right. <laughs> and you wonder. Right. It makes you wonder. It definitely it does. does. <laughs> it, it does. I'm not sure about certain um, uh, certain snacks that I ate as a child. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I really have to wonder about those. Um, so the other uh, there was there are a number of blogs on your website which are also interesting. One of them was about endometriosis. Is that a big issue in your practice as well? Yeah, so um, it it is. It, uh, well, I don't have a lot of patients with endometriosis um, currently, uh, but it certainly is um, you know uh, a common problem that that women have. Um, uh, I, I will say so. Um, you know, I am primary care, uh, the, but I do primary care GYN as well. So a lot of people might think endometriosis falls under the GYN, you know, the gynecology world. Um, uh, but what's great about my practice is that uh, I like to think of it sort of like an umbrella. It's a little bit of one-stop shopping. So I will do your primary care, um, you know, making sure that you've had your mammogram, colonoscopy, you know, those type of preventive care, all of that, if you've got a rash, if you've got a, an ache or pain. Um, but I do GYN care as as well, primary care GYN as well. So um, so I think that's just sort of another benefit uh, for women of my practice. Um, 
That's wonderful. And you also, but you also said at the beginning of this interview that you also have male patients. So you're not just a women's health clinic, uh, health practice. I am not. I am not. And I've always taken care of men and women uh, equally. Um, I, uh, if you come to my office, uh, you'll notice, and I would love to welcome anybody to my office. I love my office. It doesn't feel like a really sterile doctor's office. It's a very small waiting room, lots of greenery and plants, um, which is really nice because I feel like some patients come in and they almost have PTSD from previous, you know, appointments and and uh, uh, interactions they've had. So it's very calming. It's very gender neutral. There's no, you know, it's very uh, just uh, welcoming to men, women, uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so I do welcome men. And I know if you go on my website. So um, when I opened my practice, I partnered uh, with a company called Ms. Medicine. And um, really, they are uh, sort of my operations team behind the scenes to help me open this practice. I had never been a business owner. Um, I have never done, the learning curve has been (laughs) quite steep. Um, You know, when you come from a career of go to work, there's patients to see, see the patients, do a great job, come home to uh, running an office and all all that goes into that. So uh, Miss Medicine has been a wonderful uh, support for me. And um, they're very women focused, very focused on uh, primary care for women, menopause. I I do a lot of my uh, teaching, you know, my learning with them with conferences and things like that. Um, So when you go on the website, it does feel maybe a bit uh, skewed towards women. uh, But I promise you, if you come to my office, it it feels very uh, welcoming to all. Yes, it's a wonderful website. Uh, I enjoyed looking at it. I enjoyed reading some of the blogs. It was it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. So uh, to sum up the benefits of concierge medicine, we all spend money in a lot of different ways. And most of us should, if not all of us, should have some type of insurance as a backdrop. Um, so if they decide if someone decides to enter to see you in your practice, the benefit is they get much more personal service. But that doesn't mean you don't refer them if they need to be referred to somebody for some sort of specialized uh, need. And if they have to go to a hospital, that's always available, but they can always come back to, to you. And you know exactly what's going on. So it's not um, it, it's not some file in some hospital basement, <laughs> which sometimes Absolutely. that's how I feel. And, you know, yes. I, they, they say, well, what is your medical history? Well, I ha- I, I'm old. I have a medical history, but there's no way I know what it is because it's been buried so deep. <laughs> It can't be extracted. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yes. And you summed it up. I I like to think of the really two main benefits are time and accessibility. You're never going to call and hear that I don't have an appointment for three months or six months. Um, 
you know, you're never going to say I'm not available and you can talk to somebody else and see if they can piece together what's going on. So it's really accessibility and time. Um, and it's really not just for, you know, the rich. I mean, it's about um, just, you know, prioritizing your health care and your preventive health care and wellness. Um, and uh Sometimes I'll meet somebody and say, well, I'm really not sick enough. I don't think I'm sick enough to need your services. I don't think I'm going to need you that much. And I say, well, perfect time. So let's meet once a month and talk about how you're really doing with your exercise and your nutrition. And, um, you know, and let's make sure we're talking about all the preventive things. And and um, and you can come in as much as you want, if you know, and, you know, you don't have to wait until you're sick enough to, you know, have 18 medications that have to be, you know, uh, monitored by me. Let's keep you off of those medications. I was saying to you earlier, I had a lecture last night and it was, you know, just talking about what we can be doing now for longevity. And, you know, we want to live to 100, yes, but we want to live to 100 doing the things we love to do and without chronic diseases as much as possible. Um, and there's so much we can be doing today to increase our risk of, of that in our future. Wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And so, um, yeah, I can see myself opting uh, for a practice like yours at some point um, because yeah. I want the personal interaction, um, yeah. which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is. And I love my patients. I just love, uh, it is the biggest honor to, to sit in a room with somebody and, you know, feel that they trust you enough really to talk about everything. And as what, as I mentioned, we talk about everything, mental health, sexual health, you know, sleep, every, all of it. Um, and I'll just say one other thing that we didn't touch on that I also offer, uh, I do offer menopause consults. So if you, um, are you know, with a primary care doc that you feel comfortable with or a GYN, uh, but you're not getting that time. You just really want one hour to sit and talk about menopause, talk about what you're going through, talk about the, you know, the pathophysiology, the options. Um, you know, I can do that as well. And we could just spend an hour talking about, uh, I mean, in the backdrop of your medical history and what medicines you're taking and things like that. Um, but I can do that as well, um, you know, and just and just spend some time talking menopause. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so do, do you, in that capacity, do you see people over Zoom as well? I can always do, I, I can always do televisits. I have the capacity to do televisits. Um, I've, I've not, I mean, I, it, it's available, but um, I haven't really done a lot. I think, you know, uh, people like to come in and sit you know, face to face. Um, but I have done a number of menopause consults. And I think that, you know, educating women and empowering women to know that, you know, this is what's going on. It, it Let's talk about really what's going on. And these are your options. You know, you are empowered in this. You have options. And I just, I mean, I've had so many women just so grateful that they could sit and talk, you know, uninterrupted, and I'm listening 
and, um, you know, and, and to just be really heard. I think that's super important to feel heard. Oh, it certainly is. So where can people find you? So, uh, so my, my website, um, which is my Ms. Medicine and then backslash JKMD for Jennifer Costacos, MD. Um, and then I am on Instagram, Jennifer Costacos, MD and Facebook. Um, and, uh, call, call the office, come meet me. I would love to uh, welcome anybody into the office. I do offer meet and greets, which is complimentary and come in, sit for half an hour. We'll talk. We will, um, you know, see if it's a good fit, see if you feel comfortable with me. I think it's important to feel um, comfortable with your provider. And, you know, if uh, if you're not feeling that with your provider, it's not a good fit. There's a lot of fish in the sea. You don't, you know, you you can find somebody that you feel comfortable with. I think that's important. That is so good to know. And all that information will be in the show notes for our listeners to find. And uh, I thank you so very much for being my guest today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, a, and it's an important topic, and I'm so grateful, you know, to have a platform to talk about it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.